the expense for two kids in childcare at that time was almost my entire take-home pay. I'm sure that you've had conversations with other individuals. They're faced with those same struggles as well. And they may be forced to kind of look at their situation and say, you know, I, I have no choice but to quit my job. Are you a business leader looking for strategies and tactics to help you navigate leadership and HR challenges as you scale? Each week on While We Were Working, we bring you our 35 plus years of experience doing exactly this for companies just like yours. For more game-changing HR and leadership insights and to connect with us, check us out at whilewewereworking.com. Hey, what's going on? Thank you for tuning into this episode of While We Were Working, the show that helps you tackle all of your tough HR topics, whether you're in small business, startup, or just a really involved people leader that wants to sharpen your skills. As always, I'm Joey Price. I'm the founder of Jumpstart and one of the co-hosts here at While We Were Working, joined by my co-host and consulting practice manager, Summer Keytron. And this week's episode is all about two things that are super top of mind right now. One is uh, childcare and how some businesses are tackling rising childcare costs and the time commitments of work. And the other thing is what we're seeing in the trenches when it comes to monkeypox and what companies need to be thinking about, how should they be preparing, And what happens if someone in your organization gets this virus? So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump in. Summer, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Joey. How are you today? I'm doing great. You know, I miss our our high-low Buffalo segments, but uh, if you want one of those, you got to check out our past episodes. But um, I'm I'm doing pretty good. I can't complain. Awesome. Well, I'm really, really looking forward to diving into today's episode. As you mentioned, we've got some wonderful uh, time-sensitive topics that I think our followers will want to know more about. And for those of you that haven't had the chance to follow a prior episode, we do two main segments. And one of those is while we were working, that's where we take a relevant news article or blog, something we found that we felt was important to talk about and explain how that may apply to your business. And then also Consultants Corner, which is a little later in the show. And we talk about a question that came from our community uh, or uh, came about in our day-to-day practice. So I think we're ready to dive into while we were working. And uh, do you want to kick us off for this article or would you like me to? Yeah, I'll go ahead and kick it off. Uh, This week, we have an article from HR Brew. I love the crew there. I had opportunity to be in some of their articles and help connect them with some folks in the industry. But uh, this week, we are talking about a topic that's near and dear to my heart. It's an article that's entitled, In an Effort to Keep Working Parents, Some Employers are building their own daycare. All right, so uh, the the lead into this article written by Kristen Parisi is uh, over half of U.S. parents who pay for childcare estimate that they'll spend at least 20% of their salary on daycare this year. 
And so Summer and I are going to unpack some of the things that you can read about in the article. And these are just some things that employers are doing to help with uh, childcare. And, um, you know, I'm interested. I have kids. And uh, if you don't have kids, you're likely working or leading someone who does. So uh, this segment, um, I'll just start it off with, you know, what, what, what stood out the most to you, Summer? Well, similar to you, Joey, this is a topic that's near and dear to my heart because I think about um, while my children are a bit older now, they're in their teens, it wasn't that long ago that there were a lot of very difficult decisions that had to be made in regards to time and finances as it relates to having school-age children. And so uh, for our listeners that do have school-age children, I think they're also, they, they can relate to these challenges of trying to be a working parent and managing childcare. Some of the notable items in this article were some of the stats. You mentioned one of them, but I'll also cover a few more. Uh, first, there's 63 million parents working parents with children under the age of 18. And of that, 10 million are single parents. Now let's just stop there and think about it. Of those numbers, thinking about what portion of the workforce is trying to balance all of these priorities to me was was really staggering. And you know, with over half of the U.S. working parents spending at least 20% of their salary on childcare, I think that's a very conservative number. You know, it does say at least, but, you know, Joey, I remember really early in my career, I had children when I was in my 20s. And, you know, I was earlier in my career not making a lot of money. And I remember actually having to decide, should I quit my job? because the expense for two kids in childcare at that time was almost my entire take home pay. So I you know I I'm sure that you've you've had conversations with other individuals where you know they're kind of they're faced with those same struggles as well and for some you know they have options for others um you know they they may be forced to kind of look at their situation and say you know I I have no choice but to quit my job because the expense and or the challenges outweigh um, what some of the benefits are for them. Yeah, um, this, this fact that you mentioned about comparing your take-home pay to what you're paying out in childcare, and of course childcare isn't just the confines of like what you're doing while you're working, it's also all of the uh, payments that you have to do, like the diapers, the food, the transportation, the camps, the activities, all those things. And unfortunately, I think, you know, now looking back these past three or four years has been a terrible stretch for parents because not only are we having to battle with the increase in the cost of childcare, uh, but also there's the safety component uh, with COVID being a very real thing. And now what we'll talk about later, monkeypox, that being a real thing. So, you know, it's taxing on a, on a parent to say, well, even if I can't afford it, do I want to risk my child being somewhere where they may not be um, protected or they may have to spend more expenses to keep them protected? And unfortunately, 
a lot of economists, thought leaders, um, statisticians in this HR and labor space have looked at childcare and some of those unpaid labor costs at home as one of the big drivers for why a lot of women disappeared from the workforce over this last uh, COVID pandemic. So I think with this article, it's, it's really good for employers to take a look at what they're doing to help parents because secretly they're struggling. And it's no big secret because we all know that raising kids is expensive and with inflation, it's getting more expensive. So I think that, you know, the past three years, there's been that big focus on mental health. And now I hope as we transition into this next, I guess, three-year sprint, there's a focus on parents and how to make sure that uh, their home lives are taken care of, childcare is taken care of. And the companies will have features and benefits to help make that a reality. Uh, did anything I say make sense, Summer? Do you want to <laughs> share your thoughts? I, I'd love to. And I think that's a great lead in uh, to talking a little bit about why this article caught our attention, but also expand on it. Because I think the article was well written. And it, it's definitely bringing attention to a very important matter uh, for, you know, clearly based on the stats, uh, a large segment of the workforce. And, you know, the article does touch a little bit on, you know, what's driving some employers to build their own daycares. And it is, you know, really, truly that mix of challenges that you mentioned. Everything's going up and the balance is just becoming difficult. People are burning out. Uh, and if they didn't already leave the workforce as the result of COVID in itself, now there's, you know, there's additional factors. Um, and so companies are saying like, hey, what, what can we do to try to combat this? And some large companies such as Home Depot, Patagonia, uh, Cisco, um, some of these mega employers are, you know, working with budgets to where they're able to build their own daycares. But now there are actually um, other employers that are trying to find ways to do this as well. And so I wanted to talk about um, not just that, but what some of the alternatives could also be for various companies to try to help with uh, just this problem as a whole. Let's do it because, I mean, here at Jumpstart, we're all remote. We're not building a daycare center, right? So what are some of the things that teams like us who are remote or um, small or don't have the big budgets like the Fortune 500s, what can they do to bring some relief to parents and use it as a retention strategy? Wait, you said we aren't building a daycare center? Uh, you must have missed that meeting, Joey, that we had <laughs> that said, um, since we have a lot of employees in the greater Maryland area, <laughs> and that since Joey has small children... And also a nanny that we were just going to start it at your house. See, you know what happens with girls on vacation? You miss meetings and now you got to, uh, you know, follow through with, with the team decisions. <laughs> All right. So, so what are some of the things that, um, what are some of the things that, that businesses can do with small businesses, mid-size? What can they do? What are you seeing where there can be some relief to uh, working parents? One of the options that's a moderately expensive would be 
uh, a child care stipend. And so these can be direct payments that come to the employees based on any amount that the company chooses. Or uh, another idea is actually the company subsidizing uh, some of the child care with specific child care centers. So I seem to recall, uh, again, when my kids were in preschool, that there were a couple centers near where the main headquarters that I worked for was located, and they had negotiated discounts for our employees. And then that employer would also offer a small subsidy. So there was a real incentive uh, for employees to utilize that center, you know, both in proximity, discount and subsidy. So that's, that's one option. And some of the, the expenses that companies, you know, may, may plan for in terms of amount is, you know, if you were to do something like this, the spend is approximately $10,000 per employee per year. Definitely not cheap, but if you think about, you know, if you have some very high performing employees or teams within your organization, not all of them are going to need this, but if you could afford $10,000 to keep them, uh, one, in the workforce and two, within your company, that could be money, you know, definitely well spent. Yeah, not only well spent, well invested because... I think about being a parent and if I know that my employer is contributing to um, the peace of mind of my kids, that that gives me peace of mind. I'll likely be more productive and I'll likely, uh, you know, have less call offs or uh, less days kind of being, you know, present at work, but not mentally there because something's going on. So it really is an investment. Um, the other thing I think too is when you think about that that ten thousand dollar number, and and you know there's also the dependent care FSAs, which is a, a whole other thing that's more structured and has tax tax um, benefits. You're not paying that all at once, and so you know it's a incremental thing that uh, you'd be able to do. So I, I see it as an investment, uh, a strategic investment in securing great talent. And attracting great talent too. It's something that can go on a job description. I love that you refer to it as an investment because I do think that that's the right way to, to approach it when you think about the mindset and the value that spending this type of money from a business standpoint really should be viewed. Uh, we talked a little bit about you know the on-site childcare being, um, you know, being an option. And I wanted to also clarify on this that while there are some large companies doing this, it's not necessarily out of reach for, you know, smaller or mid-sized companies as well, because, you know, one approach, of course, the most expensive would be that the company pays for the entire, you know, the entire cost. And that's a huge, definitely a huge perk, but a variation of this is, uh, companies actually establishing this on-site childcare, uh, but then subsidizing it. So certainly it's a big commitment uh, from a company standpoint in coordinating this. But again, if it's going to uh, make it that much easier for your team members, make them happier team members, then offering that subsidy and coordinating, you know, this childcare, uh, you know, could be uh, a nice alternative. And then, Joey, I think there were also a handful of 
other things that companies can do. I know you started to mention one, and I wanted to toss out those suggestions and alternatives for our listeners as well. So what are other things uh, that we haven't covered so far that other companies can do um, to help working parents with childcare needs? One thing that you can do is to evaluate flexible work schedules and seeing if there's anything that can be done to make your day a little bit flexible for team members so that they can respond to uh, childcare needs while also prioritizing, you know, their their work commitment. Um, I think about here in, in Maryland, uh, we just basically shuffled the deck when it comes to start times for uh, elementary, middle, and high schools. And so it puts parents who may have had a rhythm last year, it puts them in a different place of now having to figure out um, what to do because their times uh, of their kids' needs are different. And I mean, there's there's a there are teacher shortages, there are bus driver shortages all across the country, and those can have an impact on um, parents who may have to, even if they are at a public school where they're not necessarily paying for tuition, they still may have to do that daily pick up and drop off. Uh, so evaluating flexible work is is a big one. Um, another thing is. I got to give a shout out to a, a, a friend of mine who runs a company in, in Maryland called The Cube. And The Cube, actually, it's a co-working space for parents. And so I think it's a really great idea if, if there's something like that in your area um, or just, re, you know, reach out to uh, Dr. Tamara Lucas to, to build one in your, in your city. But, but, but places like that where... Um, Childcare is embedded into into the co-working or into the to the facility that you're at. Those are two that I have in mind. Those are great. And I, I love that concept of the co-working space. I didn't know that that existed, but it makes sense to me because most certainly, you know, based on everything we've discussed so far, there's absolutely a need there. And just a couple a couple suggestions in terms of alternatives that I wanted to toss in before we prepare to move on to the next segment um, are just a couple other things companies could do. You talked about flexible work schedules, but I also think that um, in addition to that flexibility, having some consistency, like having a regular work schedule is tremendously helpful as well so that you can plan around all of the needs for your family and your childcare, because, you know, there's nothing worse than having a job where, you know, your childcare goes until 6 p.m., but your boss on a regular basis might be like, oh, hey, by the way, I need you to stay till seven. And then you're like scrambling, like who can pick them up? Like who's authorized to pick them up? Um, all that fun stuff. But also there's this, um, there's this uh, benefit that some companies provide somewhat similar to how sick, sick days or sick plans are administered. And the idea of it is for backup childcare assistance. And so some companies offer this as like complimentary emergency care at like a local child care provider location, right? So it's like, hey, you know, their regular child care isn't available. So having uh, an option set up for them in advance is um, definitely beneficial. And that could either be provided like on a predetermined uh, number of days, like sick days, 
And then if they exhaust those pre-authorized like complementary days, then additional days would be at a small fee. So, you know, again, it's just kind of removing the complexities that, um, you know, or the challenges that come with being a working parent and trying to navigate childcare needs. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we could go on about this topic, but if you're, if you're listening to this and you've been inspired and compelled to support your uh, parents or to create a more comprehensive retention strategy and attraction strategy that accounts for the needs of working parents who may join your organization, make sure you reach out to us at jumpstart-hr.com for uh, an opportunity to get in contact with us, learn more about our services, and actually to create you know policies and strategies for your working families. All right, we're going to uh, switch gears a bit. We are entering into our segment, uh, Consultants Corner. Here at Jumpstart in our Consulting Corner is where we talk about issues that we are experiencing in the trenches, the good, the bad, the ugly, the lessons learned. And this week, we are covering what's top of mind for everyone, and that is uh, monkeypox. Uh, Summer and I were talking before the show, and she said that there was a client that asked, what do we do about monkeypox? This feels like COVID version two. So we've prepared some Q&A for us to tackle this topic, and we're going to include a link in the show notes for you to download a helpful PDF that you can share with your team to help tackle this topic keep your team safe, and keep your organization protected. So, Summer, let's jump into it. What what should people know from an HR perspective about monkeypox? Thanks for that great lead-in, Joey, because, you know, if, if we were having, if you would have asked me, uh, gosh, a month ago, if this was going to be a topic on one of our upcoming podcasts, I would have said, I don't quite think so. But I think the rate in which that the infections have occurred has definitely caused, you know, caused some concern, especially from businesses and HR pros who may have since returned to the office from working remote for quite a long time or are planning to. And so in working with our clients on a day-to-day basis, the more that I saw this question come up this last week, the more that I felt compelled that we should talk about it and kind of share what we've learned thus far, keeping in mind that, you know, similar to the early stages of COVID and COVID closures, there's still a lot that we don't know, even, you know, the health professionals over at, you know, the World Health Organization, they don't have the answers to everything. So I wanted to talk a little bit about what we do know talk a little bit about the questions that we're getting from some of our clients and what some of our suggestions and best practices are. Again, giving what we know today, uh, which could always be subject to change with new discoveries. So, um, Summer, we, we, we mentioned people who may have returned to office, right? One of the things I look at when, when there's a, an issue, I, I look at all of the sort of spokes of the wheel around an issue. And so, there's even the idea of like those road warriors or people who travel for work 
or even if we have someone who's tuned in from like the hospitality industry, the restaurant industry, um, industries of of large crowds and gatherings or high touch environments. And this is going to impact a lot of us in a lot of different ways from a lot of different perspectives. So all the more reason for us to pay attention to what's going on, get to know the science and uh, see what's trending. So I think, oh, go ahead. You were going to say something. No, no, go for it. <laughs> no, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> yes. I was just going to say that, you know, the saying knowledge is power is definitely applicable in this case, because I do think that there's a lot of lessons that we've learned after going through COVID and that many of them were uh, helpful in, you know, how we're going to navigate monkeypox and uh, from an employer perspective. I think that there's also been a lot of lessons learned from things that didn't go well in COVID that, you know, are helping lead the way with making good decisions early on. So, you know, you mentioned the various industries, but I would also say that companies really need to be evaluating the local areas and where they have employees whether they're in-person, hybrid, and the infection rates for those specific areas. Because, you know, it could be very easy if you are a leader in an area where it's just not really a high infection rate and there's maybe not such an alarm, you know, going off at that point in time. But then you have, say, an office or employees in a location like New York where the infection rates are staggering. And they're and they're quite high. So just really monitoring the situation for the areas in which you have employees and just being aware of some of those differences right now is number one. Yeah. And that's for the for the sake of the um, health trends. But also one of the things that we saw with COVID is that each state or jurisdiction will make its own determinations about uh, you know, everything from should should people quarantine? Should there be a state of an emergency? Um, will there be a reduction in uh, what's it called when the, not population, but but the uh, the number of people that can be in any given room at any given time? And so you have to watch those uh, those determinations because they'll impact your business. Let's say you are a remote organization, but some of your folks go to a co-working space. Well, if that co-working space says we're following protocol and shutting down our business, opening it up for essential people only, well, if you aren't an essential business, then you're going to have to figure out where are your employees going to work from. And so it's it's a lot to pay attention to. That's kind of one of the reasons why we enjoy tackling topics like this because we're already in a lot of these states and um, especially in some of these major uh, metropolis areas that are setting the tone on how uh, they're responding to these things. And it's just easy for us to to share that information to our clients. Absolutely. And the the biggest question that, I've been receiving and trying to put folks at a little bit of ease with comes with the disclaimer 
Uh, and that disclaimer is, you know, we aren't medical experts, but we know where to find the information and how to break it down in a way that's easy to understand. And really, I think the biggest takeaway in regards to monkeypox based on what we know right now is that it is not expected and it's not anticipated to be COVID version two. And the main reason is just in regards to how the disease is transmitted is significantly different. Again, subject to change, right? During COVID, we learned a lot as we went along and they were like, okay, never mind what we told you last time. This is now what we know. But based on what we do know, and this is, you know, this is from the World Health Organization, the disease is not normally spread easily between people. Uh, which is very different than COVID, right? Because if you were just in close proximity, you you could, it could be easily transmitted. And so that's the major difference in between the two viruses and that you actually have to have very close physical contact to allow it to enter the body in most cases, right? And so I think in trying to make this really easy for companies to determine, you know, how they're going to create internal processes and policies and procedures. If they want to be very conservative and make it easy for everyone to understand, then just re-implement the processes, procedures, and protocols that you use during COVID. That's, yeah. that's going to be the safest bet because it's going to go above and beyond what I think is uh, the minimum necessary to protect your team members. Yeah. So I, I guess, you know, to, to close the segment out here, the, the key takeaway is should your business be concerned and talking about this right now? Uh, the answer is yes. Are there, are there tools and best practices that we may have learned over the last couple of years about how to approach this? The answer is yes. Uh, is this whole conversation for uh, educational purposes and not meant to be uh, health advice, especially realizing that the, the science and, and medical fields can change their thoughts on this? Yes. So if you're interested in, you know, the lessons that we've learned and what we've implemented for our customers, definitely reach out to us at jumpstart-hr.com. Uh, happy to put together a plan for your business whether you uh, congregate in person or if you are a remote multi-location multi office, we're happy to share our lessons learned with you. So um, click the link in the show notes for the uh, downloadable PDF. And then also um, schedule some time to chat with us. And we're happy to unpack this, this evolving conversation with you. That's that's all we have this week. Summer, any party thoughts? I think we covered it. I fully expect that as we begin to learn more and we monitor the situation, we may be back doing a monkeypox Q&A part two. So uh, for our listeners and viewers, we appreciate you following our show today and stay tuned for more updates. We'll see you next time. All right. See you next time. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode. Got more questions? Then make sure you check out whilewewereworking.com for more tips and resources. Or shoot us a message on social media. See you next week.